For you will hear, O Lord God, for I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin, but my enemies are vigorous and they are strong. And those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. They also who render evil, they also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. The Lord will help us, amen, in our, in our trouble. Man, that's a, that's a hard day right there, but he's, he's there to help us. Father, we thank you so much that you're good. You're good. You are good. Even when things look down, Lord God, you are good. And we just look to you as our hope, as our strength, as our deliverer, as our salvation. Father, we can rejoice in that. We thank you, Father God, and we do today, Lord God. We just proclaim that this is the day you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we thank you for it. We praise you. We give you glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to your name, God. Worthy to be praised. You know, he is a firm foundation. As we're worshiping, I just that resonated with me. Firm foundation. You know, the floor we stand on is pretty solid, right? The, the, the coating that we put on, I think it has a life guarantee. There's nothing more of a guarantee for life than the firm foundation of Jesus, right? He, he transcends anything that man can make. Even the floor we stand on, there's dirt. There's stuff. This can, this can shake. This can break. It can shift. God doesn't shift. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can build our life upon Him because He is a firm foundation that never shifts. It's a forever life guarantee. Even after this physical life, it's a guarantee. Amen? Praise Jesus. Thank you, God. Share the love with Jesus with each other this morning. Amen. <sighs> Happy Mother's Day. It's very exciting. It's good to have a mom. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, my mom had passed away a number of years ago. But it's still, you know, her life, their lives, even if your mom has passed away, or their lives still touch you, doesn't it? They still affect you. They, they still made you who you are in many ways. And uh, God is good. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. This was one of the verses that we uh, read this week in our daily reading. It's from a few days ago, a couple days ago. Matthew chapter 23, beginning with verse 37, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. 
and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, when we think of God, we automatically think of Father God. God is, is referenced primarily, significantly, almost exclusively as Father, as a male figure. But you know, God isn't a man. Wow. Let's work on the theology here a little bit, okay. You're thinking, wait, wait a second, is he kidding? Is that, is that a joke? Is he, is he testing us? He's testing us, isn't he? God is not a man. Amen. God is God. We, we can't even fathom what God really is. He expresses himself. He expresses himself many times in the male gender, in the father gender. But remember when, when he was creating man, what did he say? He says, let us make man in our image. Both male and female make them as us, as, as we are. God also has motherly Features, not features, but motherly qualities, traits, exactly. And Jesus is, is referencing that here. He's saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So if you know what's going on, he's been on the earth for 33 years. This is the last week he's alive. This is just days before he's crucified. And he's done it all. He's done everything he could. He's, he's, he's preached. He's, he's ministered. He's, he's healed. He's raised from the dead. He's, he's not, he himself hasn't, but he's raised other people from the dead. He's done everything he possibly can to preach the good news of the kingdom. To explain him. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's represented God as, as clearly and as fully as he possibly can. He's done everything he can. And now he's sitting on the Mount of Olives looking across the valley and he's seen the, the uh, uh, Jerusalem laid out before him and he weeps. It's one of the only two times we hear, him cry, hear about him crying. And here's one of them. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. If only you would have understood the day of your visitation. If you would have only understood what day today is. If you would have only understood. Now, that, that reference, you know, I mean, when we say that, that uh, Jesus, or that God, that God is not a man, he's not even, he's not a woman either, but he's also not a chicken. <laughs> he's not a dove. He's not a, he's not a lot of things. He's God. But he, he gives a, a, a picture of a mother hen gathering her chickens. And what a better picture of a mother than that. You know, uh, Deb and I always joke that, you know, our kids, you know, when, when they see mom, they think of food. <laughs> they come in, they come in after a long day and, you know, and what's for supper? Uh, I'm hungry. Is there anything in the, in the refrigerator? Is there anything left in the refrigerator? I don't know. Zoe has been here yesterday, so I don't know if there's any food left in the refrigerator. <laughs> but 
They think of food. See, when, when they're bored, they come to dad, let's do something fun. See, they think of dad as fun. But mom is food. Yeah, see? Yeah, you got one over here. Yeah, oh yeah, dad's fun. Mom's food. Mom, dad's food. Or dad's fun. Mom's food. But mom is also security. When they've had a rough day, they don't come to me, usually. They go, where's mom? Why? i got to talk about something. Why? Talk to me about it. No, dad, I'm not going to talk to you about it. Come on, tell me what's going on. No, you make fun of me. You tease me. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. I know, let's have fun. But if they want security, if they want to be held, if they want to be wrapped up, they go, to, they go find mom. You know, my dad was the same way. My dad was a little bit different. My dad was very old school. My dad was, what's wrong with you? Suck it up. <laughs> mom was, oh, come here, let me give you a hug. Let me, is everything okay? <laughs> Praise God that I had my dad the way he was too. You know, it made me who I am. It made me as much of who I am as what my mom made me. But God has a heart that he wants to draw his people to him. He wants them a part of what's going on. He wants to draw, he wants Jerusalem. Here's this picture of, of God saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. If you only understood what today was, I want to draw you like a, like a mother hen draws her chickens and, and put you underneath my protection, but you refuse. It's in the Bible for a reason. It wasn't just for Jerusalem. It wasn't just a, a, a statement that, well, Jerusalem, you missed it, and now you're going to be destroyed, because that's, that is what's going to happen because of their rejection of Jesus. And 70 years later, it was destroyed. Well, 70 AD, 40 years later. It was destroyed. And they were scattered again. But God is trying to draw His people. God has times, has timing. And He sees the, the plan and purpose for our lives. And His desire is that you fulfill the fullness of His, of his plan and purpose. My mom was, you know, definitely the, the warm, fuzzy, come here, give me a hug, tell me how your day was, are you full, do you need food? She was, she was all of that. But my mom also had the other trait, much like what Jesus was saying here, there were the days when she looked me in the face and said, do you realize how dumb that is, what you're doing right now? Do you realize how wrong that, do you realize, you, my, the one that rings in my ear, you weren't raised that way. Yeah, there's a, there's a few of you. Really, Roger? You were, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but mom also spoke truth, and that's the way God speaks truth to us. He says, you know, you weren't raised that way. Knock it off. Why do you do that? Why are you thinking that way? Why are you acting that way? That isn't just a fatherly trait. It's a, it's a parenting trait. It's a, a loving God trait. God has a plan for your life. And that plan, if we just do what he tells us to do, if, he just, if we just follow him, if you just do what your mom tells you to do, life is so much better. Yeah. I better hear some amens on that, lady. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's better for the husbands, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, gosh, don't even get me started. Because there would be days when the kids will be doing something, I go, knock it off. You're getting mom riled up. If you get mom riled, then I have to just settle down. Just deal with, do what she told you to do. 
Where was I? Oh, just do what God tells you to do. He's trying to draw us in. He's trying to protect us. He's, you know, there's a boundary for a reason. Come under the wings. Come under the wings of God. You know, it's not to control you. It's not to control you. It's, it's to give you a boundary of safety. When he says, you know, don't do this, don't do this, or do this, it's not like, oh, what's God trying to control my life again? No, he's trying to protect you. He's trying to give, you know, when moms set the rules out, don't put your finger in a light socket. There's a reason. As a small child, you think they're trying to keep me from something fun. I love that. I've seen a post a few days, somebody with a fork, and they're putting the fork in a light socket, and they said, you know, don't do that. It's not saving. Well, uh, you know, people have done that, and they've gotten hurt. Well, yeah, but everybody who's done it before has done it wrong. You know, Hello. There are boundaries, and we should live within the boundary. When, when God has a plan for your life, you should fulfill it, and your life will be blessed. We don't have to be rebellious. No, you don't. <laughs> we don't have to rebel. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again. Until. Turn to Matthew 22. This was actually a couple days before this, these verses. Matthew 22, beginning with verse 1. And it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who, who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. You see the parallel here. The, the king is calling his, his subjects, going, Come, enjoy this wedding feast. Enjoy this this, in, this, this thing that I'm preparing for you. But they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't come. Jesus is over and over and over again trying to get to them that I'm calling you. I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm pulling you into this. But in every one of these, in every one of these parables, you know, all the way through the Bible, the, the whole, everything about God, it's all about a choice to obey or not to obey. You have a choice. I have a choice. We have a decision to make. Just choose the right one. But what happens is, as human beings, we come up with excuses. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. 
the king was angry and he sent his, his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, just stopping there for a moment, that's a reference to Jerusalem. I mean, he's, he's telling this parable, this, this story that one chapter later in our Bible, one chapter later he's saying, Jerusalem, you're that city. I've sent my servants to you. I've sent the prophets. I've sent the, 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 the people warning you and you've killed them. You've burned them. And, and, and then we get to this, verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who are invited are not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants who went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Another place in the, in the New Testament where it tells this parable, it says that, that as he went out, as the servants went out and asked them to come in, they said, well, I just bought a cow. i got to go see my cow. I just bought a field. I need to go till it. I got to go do this. I got to do this. There's all kinds of excuses why they couldn't come to the wedding feast. There's all kinds of reasons why they, you know, that, that invitation is not welcome. Life is busy, life is full. If we had only understood the day of our visitation, if we had only listened to mom. If I had listened to mom, gracious, good night. Life would have been better. All the moms are going, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, really, it's true. I would, have, I would have saved a ton of heartache. It would, have saved a, it would have saved a ton of missteps, of, of, of bad choices. Things I had to took years to fix and sort out. Because my mom, you know, when I did something, my, my mom would go, you know, that's not the best way to do that. What, you, what do you know? You're old. You know, I mean, that's the, that's usually the, uh, the attitude. You, you have no idea what it's like to be a teenager. One of the things that I, I tell a young couple when they're getting ready to, uh, to be married when we're doing premarital counseling is, I want you to go sit down with your parents and ask them these questions. I give them a series of questions. I tell them to take their parents out, take each set of parents out and take them out for supper and ask these questions. And uh, I, you know, I started out easy. How did you meet? You know, what was this like? What was that? You know, is there anything you've never told me? <laughs> wow, by the, by the looks on the faces, it's like, ooh, a lot of skeletons in there. Yeah, okay. You see, you know what I mean, okay? Think back to when you were 17 years old, ladies. No, no, no okay, don't blush. It's okay. When, when your kids said, you, you have no idea what it's like to be a teenager. <laughs> Gentlemen, too. I, you know, guys are going, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There is a lot of wisdom in these pews. There is a lot of wisdom in your family. There's a lot of wisdom. There's, there, guys, there are, you know, and I'm talking to the, the teens and young teens and, 
young adults, there's a lot of wisdom in your parents. You just got to ask the right questions. You just got you just need to you need to pry a little bit. As I got older, that was one of the joys of my life was growing up and realizing there's something else, there's more going on here than what meets the eye. And I'd sit and be talking to my parents, and I'd ask them specific questions. Sometimes you'd ask the, you'd ask the right question at the wrong time. And, uh, <laughs> but you'd ask the right question, and they'd go, oh, oh. they didn't want to tell that story. But then they would. Eventually they would. There's a lot of wisdom to be gained by seeing your mom and dad. And I'll throw dads in here because Father's Day is coming up. A lot of wisdom on asking your parents. It's one of the, one of the coolest relationships that you'll ever develop when you get old enough to realize that that relationship is there. Now, you think, well, I've got a relationship with my mom and dad. No. As, as, you, as you older believers know, there's even more. There's a different relationship as you get older. It's awesome. And they're amazingly wise because they've made bigger mistakes than you have most of the time and survived, Barely. It's the same thing with God. You know, a lot of people don't want to ask God what He wants them to do. Because they're afraid of the answer. They, they don't, they're, they're nervous, they're, they're, they're apprehensive to say, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? Jerusalem didn't want to ask God. They thought they had it all figured out. They had the law. They had the prophets. They even said that. You know, that was, that was one of the answers they gave to Jesus. We have the law and the prophets. We have history. We, we, have, we have our form of godliness. But we deny the power. The 21st century church can have the same thing. The 21st century church, our, our church, this church... Us sitting in here, being in this room right now, we can have the same mindset. I've got this thing figured out. I know what God wants for my life. He wants me to go to work tomorrow morning, work hard on Friday, take the weekend off, start up again on Monday, live my life. Afraid that if you actually stopped and you said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you really want me to do? Now, I'm just going to give you a hint here. This right here, right this moment, is the moment of your visitation. If you didn't realize it, here is a moment of visitation, a moment of truth, a moment of reality. It's so real right now in the Spirit. It's actually very, very awesome, full of awe. Because in this moment, God is trying to pull you deeper under His wings. Who has God called you to be? What is God's plan for your life?
Most people won't ask, God, what is it? Because they're afraid of the answer. I've talked to hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people. And they say, I, I don't, I, I've talked to some and they've said, oh, I, I don't want to ask God what, I, what he wants me to do because I don't want to be an, a missionary in a foreign land. Or I, or I don't want to go to that school instead of this school. Or I don't want to marry that person because I, he, God wants me to marry this person, but I want to marry that person. Most people are afraid to ask God. It takes courage. It takes guts to say, okay, God, I'm laying everything on the table right now. I'm laying everything on that table, and I'm saying, Lord, your will be done. I'm taking my hands off of it, and I want your will to be done. But I guarantee you, you do that. You know, that begins with salvation. That begins with being born again. When you become born again, you know, they they say salvation is free. It's free because you can't buy it or earn it, but it's going to cost you everything. Salvation, God's gift to us, is going to cost you everything that you are going, and and that is your will. It's It's going to cost you saying, my hands are off my life, you do it now. And then following Him, not grabbing it back again as soon as He says, do X, do Y. Oh, 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 I take it back. I was just kidding, just kidding. What would a year look like from right now if you actually said, okay, God, I'm in. You tell me what to do. You lead me. Now, I can give you examples of people who have done that. And their lives are amazing. I mean, Roger and Myrna are just sitting right here. Glory to God. God, what do you want us to do? Move to a moved to a former Soviet bloc country. I mean, they, they just got free, and there's, it's kind of wild over there right now. There's not, you know, it's kind of, kind of nuts. We don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but go to Belarus. Really? Okie dokie. God, what do you really want me to do? I want you to shut everything down, quit your job, and move to Texas. Get a degree. Well, what if... What if it doesn't work out? I didn't, I didn't ask you to ask whether it was going to work out or not. I just asked you to go. And then you come back. You did it. You survived. Good job. You survived. Okay, God, that, that was the hard part. Great. So now what do you want us to do? Now we want you to start a church in Prescott. What? What? I want you to give up every Sunday afternoon. Go down to a town, put up a sign, open the doors, wait for people to come in. That ever important first person to come in. Okay, anytime now. Ready? Okay, now. And then one comes in. Yay! Then they leave. <laughs> Remember the first guy who came? 
First guy who came, man, this is awesome. I'm so excited. This is wonderful. We're so excited about a church being here. Yeah, I'm going to be here. I want to be a part of this. And never came back again. <laughs> Isn't that just wonderful? Yay! Then the one who does come and stays is fun. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. But you just go and, you know, Deb and I, a couple of weekends ago, we were able to go to uh, uh, Jesus Fellowship of Believers Church over in, in uh, Menominee, Wisconsin. A friend of ours, uh, I've known Pastor Tim over there for over 30 years. I met him in well, 31 years ago, 1988. I was going to school at Stout, and he owned a coffee shop across the street. And, and uh, um, I used to hang out there because I was a, a non-traditional student and didn't really, didn't really hang out with 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds. And I was 25 at the time, and so I'd go over there and have coffee. He was a long-haired hippie freak and found out he was a Christian and started a friendship and Pretty soon he told me about this church that was starting up. Well, that was Jesus Fellowship of Believers and, and been kind of walked through our adult Christian life together over the last 30 years and compared notes. He's now a pastor. I'm a pastor. We, you know, just kind of walked it through together. And we were able to go to their 30th anniversary. One of the stories that we heard there was that they felt led to go start a church in Duluth, Minnesota. And this is a little tiny church over in Menominee, Wisconsin. And so they prayed about it, and they, they felt like six people. There were six people who said, that's it. Yeah, we're, we feel called to go and start this church in Duluth. So every Sunday, they would drive from Menominee to Duluth every morning. And they would start, they would have church. And for months and months and months, they would open the door, and those six people would sit there and have church. And nobody came. Nobody came. Nobody came. And nobody came. One day, a person came in and got saved. The end of that story is that church is now bigger than the church in Menominee. Has it's more people, more money, more outreach. You do what God tells you to do, even if it's uncomfortable. It usually is uncomfortable because he wants to see, and we, we see that in, in uh, the, the Old Testament readings that we're reading, that, that when they went into to Israel, or when they went into Canaan, into the Promised Land, they had to fight, and 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 they had to fight. And then Joshua dies, and they rest. And as soon as they rest, they got overrun. Well, then they fought again. Then the judges would come along, and now you know we're reading about the judges, and the judges would you know come up, and there'd be a judge, and they would fight back. They would take back the land. They'd have peace for 40 years. They'd have peace for 80 years, whatever. And then the judge would die, and then they'd fall back into sin. When you don't fight, you back up. It's not about resting. It's not about, oh, I'm saved. Whoo. Now I can just coast. No. We're not here to coast. The hour of our visitation. A number of years ago now, it's been a couple of years ago, on a Sunday morning, I, I told you, I said, it's ready. The Holy Spirit was telling me, it's time to get ready. 
It's time to prepare. It's time to study. It's time to get ready. It's time to do what you need to do to get, get in line, get in the right place. It was a day, it was one of those days of visitation. Today's another day. It's time to commit. It's time to be a part of what God's doing. Some missed it completely. Didn't even, did, you know, you were, they were sitting here and they didn't even, didn't even hear it. Why? Because we're humans. How many times did I miss it? I missed it and missed it and missed it. How many times I still probably miss it? But praise God for grace. So He gives you another day of visitation. Gives you another opportunity. Who has He called you to be? What is it going to take to get there? What is it going to take to be ready? You know, one of the things that uh, John shared as an as a, uh, announcement is that the Karis Bible School is uh, having a, uh, a night, uh, a Karis night on May 30th here. It's a way to come and just check it out. Just see what it's like. Even as I'm talking about it right now, some people are starting to, it's starting to pull on your heart. That's good. It should pull on your heart. Well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Caleb was 80 when he took the mountain. Noah was 100 and some when he started building an ark. Abraham was 99 or 100 when he was getting ready to have a baby. Well, he didn't have a baby, but played a vital part. I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, one of the, one of the interesting things when, when Peter graduated last week was the average age of the graduates going through care. You saw it too. Man, half of them needed walkers, you know? I mean, it just... <laughs> Peter brought, barely even brought down the average age. I mean, you know, he's 29, 23, 28... He barely brought down the average age. I mean, there was so many 60 and 70-year-olds in there. It's like, and, I, and my thought wasn't, wow. I mean, it was, was, wow, look at these older people doing That's awesome. You're not, you're, you're not too old, really, truly. You know, you're not too old. But on the other side, I'm like, where's all the young people? Where's all the young people? The next generation has also, they must be trained. They must be trained. One night a week. It's a commitment. It's a huge commitment. It is a huge commitment. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of work. It's worth it. It's worth it. You'll learn more. One night a week. Well, it's not just one night a week. It's every day. Peter said every day for a couple hours, usually, listening and studying and preparing. But you can do it as you do other stuff. You can study. You can. But it's worth it to grow and to be prepared. You'll learn so much. You will, you will have an education that just is so powerful because it's the Word of God. The textbook is the Word of God. I encourage you. Why? Because it's part of what we need to do as the body is to be prepared to give an answer in that time of that opportunity, that time of opportunity. I encourage you to pray about going. Well, I don't want to pray. What if he says, I have to go? <laughs> That's the wonderful part about it. 
What if you pray about it and God says, yes, do it? Cool. Well, it costs money. Yeah, it costs a lot of money. How much is it? 4000 now? 4000 4000 a year. That's a lot of money. I have heard so many testimonies from people who have, have decided to do it, and God has not only met that need, but met expanded other areas of their life over and above because of that act of obedience. I wish Bree was here. You, did, you didn't want to bring her today? You lost her somewhere between home and here. Well, we'll pray for you. Hopefully you can find her on the way home. But Bree, her life has, has, drastic, you guys are, has drastically changed financially because of that act of obedience. Glory to God. He is well able. The money is nothing. You might think, well, wait a second. I've, I've always struggled with money. I know. That's the human condition. Step out by faith. It's the hour of visitation. God, what do you want me to do? That's the question. God, what do you want me to do? It's actually the question for every, every person in here who has a mother today. Mom, I want you to go home today. I want you to say, Mom, what do you want me to do? But what if she wants me to clean? Huh? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I know it. Because that's what she asked me to do yesterday, and that's what she asked me to do the day before. Well, if you had done it the first time she asked, you'd be done. Mom, what do you want me to do? Where are my kids? You know, okay, okay, just, just checking. Make sure you're listening. Mom, what do you want me to do? Debbie, I have some ideas if you don't have any, okay, just in case. But at the same time, God, what do you want me to do? What's your plan for my life? Now, maybe, maybe a year is too far out for you. Maybe that's too much. What do you want me to do today? God, what's, what's your plan for me today? What do you want me to do? One of the things he wants you to do is go home and ask your mom, what do you want me to do today? What do you need? What can we, what, what can we do for you today? What? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pound it. I'm just, I know, he's going, Why? Because I'm the pastor. I get to pick on people like that. I just can push the buttons and then run away. Watch what happens. It's the hour of our visitation. If we'd only recognized it. You don't want to be a year from now and go, you know, I wonder if, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have done it a year ago. Don't do that. Do it right now. God, what do you want me to do? Close your eyes. Bow your head. Please. You don't have to say it out loud. If you want to say it out loud, that's fine too. God, what do you want me to do today? God, what's your plan for my life? God, where are you directing me? What are you leading me to do? How do you want me to do it? Father, I thank you that this day we want to come under your wings. We want to be under your influence. Whether it's for the first time receiving you as, as our Lord and Savior. And the way you do that, just in the way that you do that, is just saying, God, come into my life. I repent of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Be in charge. 
be the boss. Whether it's being born again for the first time. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to be born again. Or I want you to sell everything and move halfway around the world. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to go to Bible school. Yes, Lord. I want you to be a part of a church plant. Yes, Lord. Get in the habit of being agreeable with God. Be easily moved by Him. And watch where He takes you. Watch what He does for you. It's supernatural. Father, we give You this week, Lord, we pray that every mother in our lives is blessed. Father, we ask for just an amazing day. Day full of life, full of hope, full of blessings, full of joy. Thank You, Father, for all that You're doing. And we praise You, Lord, for Your goodness and mercy towards us. In Jesus' name, Amen.